Gator Tales with Sean Kelly is presented by UF Health. UF Health has locations throughout Florida, including Gainesville, Jacksonville, St. Augustine, Leesburg, and the Villages, and we're growing. Compassionate care and world-class outcomes. That's our game plan. Visit ufhealth.org to learn more. Our show today also brought to you by Pet Paradise. Gator fans, for pet fanatics like you, there's only one place who goes all out for your pet the way you do. Boarding, grooming, day camp, and veterinary services, all in one convenient location, Pet Paradise and New Day Veterinary Care. Finally, complete pet health care is here for Gator Nation. Hi everyone, I'm Sean Kelly. It's 4 a.m. on the last Friday before the start of the college football season. This 2023 season begins for the Gators next week in Salt Lake City against the Utah Utes. There's just so much to do before the start of the season. And while you think you've got like all of August and training camp to get ready for it, um, you've got to wait on a lot of things. And so sure enough, it all stacks up. So it's a quick start for me on this Friday. And yes, my, starting my second year, this is a lot easier than it was a year ago at this time. But we've added this podcast to uh, the things that I will do as the voice of the Gators. Gator Tales has been around for a while, right? Yeah, it's been great. I'm the new host, though, and so we'll do things just a little bit differently. I want to do a podcast. I want to have this platform to to basically share the people, things, and places that I get to experience as the voice of the Gators. So we'll be talking to our student-athletes, of course, Gators coaches, staff, fans, students, all those Gators that are all connected in some form or fashion, and those that cover the Gators in some form or fashion around the country and, of course, around the world, too. This will be a weekly thing for the most part, hopefully around like 30 minutes or so, something easy to consume. This one will be a little bit longer. I'll explain why in just a moment. We've got a great lineup for you on this first show. Ricky Pearsall is ready to go and set to lead the Gators' wide-receiving core after getting a career-high 661 yards on 33 catches in 13 games played last year. He's been basically unguardable during training camp, and he's set to have a big, big season for the Florida Gators on the gridiron. Meanwhile, Mary Wise is now in her 32nd year as the head coach of the Gators volleyball team. 1,026 career wins, and sure enough, she has the Gators ranked in the preseason top 15 once again for over 30 years now. And Gators Volleyball set to begin their play this weekend in Tampa against Penn State. They'll go on the road and run them to Stanford as well during this uh, non-conference schedule. And then finally, when I kind of put the word out that I would be hosting this podcast, I asked who would you want to have on that first show? Overwhelming response for the head ball coach, Steve Spurrier. So, Coach Spurrier and I sat down here just days ago and had a nice long visit. Hence why this one is going to be longer than that 30 minutes that I tried to target on this show. So, the head ball coach, Steve Spurrier, Mary Wise, and Ricky Pearsall. Let's get started. All right, I need to know, which, which nickname are we going with this year? Okay. Man, there's a few out there. Um, I think we're going to go with Slick. You know, that, that kind of goes back to my high school days. Um, a lot of people call me Slick Rick because the rapper. 
And then it just changed the slick for sure with all my buddies calling me that throughout the time. But all the recruiting ladies and uh, everybody around the building kind of calls me pretty Ricky. So I don't know. Those are the, kind of the uh, two that I would go with. But I think we can go for slick because, you know, I think it, I think it fits most. Yeah, I, I think that's better for yeah. me too. You, you, we'll let the recruiting uh, staff call you pretty Ricky. Yeah. It's, it's Ricky Pearsall, of course, Gators wide receiver here with us on Gator Sales Podcast. All right, so you said that your buddies called you slick back in the day. Do you remember which guy? Who was it that, that first started calling you that? Man, there's actually two kids that argue back and forth that first call me that because they're both really close to me. Um, Brandon Gav, I grew up uh, playing youth football with him since I was six years old, so that, that's a long-time friend. And then uh, another dude named Pryor Barker. Um, he's kind of the one that started just calling me slick just straight up. So I think – I think I might have to give props to both of them, but maybe prior, just because you know I've been running with Slick for some time now, so I'll give him the props. All right. What else did you play growing up? Football, yes, obviously. What else? I played basketball too uh, growing up. Um, I played at a young age, and then I actually did like basketball a little bit more than football growing up, and I just carried around a basketball and would dribble it uh, around the house, and that's kind of how I got my ball handling up. My dad would obviously get annoyed. My mom would get annoyed about it, but, you know, um, and then high school came around, and freshman year I played basketball, and then I played football as well, obviously, but then I just made a choice between the two, and I just ran with football. So I played football for the rest of high school and stopped playing basketball um, and just focused on that, and then senior year came around, and I really wanted to get my speed up, so I started running track my senior year. So, so who was your favorite basketball player then? I'm trying to figure out what era this is. Oh yeah, yeah, no, without a doubt, LeBron James, my favorite athlete actually of all time. Really? Not ba my basketball player, athlete. So I look up to LeBron a lot, surprisingly. Just because he's a, a legend, or was it something about the way yeah. he trained? What was it in particular? I mean, I think all cylinders of being an athlete, in my opinion. You know, I think he's just an inspiration for a lot of athletes. Obviously, he's the greatest of all time with what he does. So that's first and foremost. You know, I want to chase that for myself. And then just the way he prepares. You know, I think he takes care of his body better than anybody out there. I mean, I think there was like a, some kind of report coming out how much money he spends on his body, but I know it was a great amount of it. So I just shown about how detailed he is in his work. And then obviously, you know, his family stuff. Too. I'm a big family guy as well, so you know I, I just see how you know he operates with his family and you know how he treats his kids and and then obviously I think he carries himself really well with like media stuff and you know he's not afraid to speak his mind and I think that's like pretty inspiring for a lot of athletes out there. So I think he just does a great job all around. And also is about it being a you know a human first and foremost. He spends seven figures on just the thing you're talking about every year. Obviously you're not doing that, but is there something <laughs> you've learned? about taking care of your body that's maybe different from a year ago at this time? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think the the more years I went by, I think I got a little bit smarter towards, you know, how I should operate throughout the facility and taking care of my body. And then obviously we have this now, this beautiful building, so it, it makes it a little easier. But, you know, before I didn't know too much about how I, I should take care of my body, you know. And then I got on YouTube and was looking up, like, this was in high school, about how I should, you know, take care of my body. I heard about this recovery stuff, didn't really know too much about it. Then obviously college came by and I had, you know, nutrition and trainers to you know educate me and I just took a little piece from all the trainers that you know I interacted with and all these trained coaches that I asked a bunch of uh, questions to you know and then implemented my own stuff and obviously I try to do receiver specific stuff so you know I focus on a lot of like ankle mobility and hip mobility and um, you know I just took off of that stuff I think that's like the most important thing because you know health is wealth what's class schedule look like for the fall I'm curious 
Um, yeah, man. I, I mean, it's not too much of a load for me just because, you know, I'm getting ready to graduate in December. So it, it's a little bit of a lighter load, and especially because, you know, yeah, football season's coming around. So I think, like, all the do, uh, all the people in the, um, the Hawkins Center, which is our academic center, is, you know, doing a great job with all the guys and making sure that their schedules, you know, align with, you know, our football stuff and trying to make it a lighter load when fall comes around. So, you know, it's, it's not going to be too much of a load. So. You could have gone pro after last year. Did you was was finishing your degree a big part of the decision to do one more go around here? Yeah, for sure. I, I think so. Um, I think that definitely went into making my decision, especially for my mom. You know, she was on me about that. So, uh, you know, I think that was just another pr uh, pro to coming back. You know, and obviously there was a bunch of other things. You know, footballs you know, a big focus for myself. So there's a bunch of aspects that went in with that. And then I think it just kind of all aligned. And, you know, I believe that God does everything for a reason. So I think everything aligned itself. So, you know, I made my decision to come back. All right. Let's talk more about mom. So Slick Rick is going back home. You're hoping she makes what for your first meal back home? My first meal back home. Hmm. It's a good decision. <laughs> a good uh, question because... My, my mom likes to think that she's not that good at cooking, but I think she's got, I think she's good at cooking though. But she sometimes she'll get like a little like hesitant when she's like asking me like how the meal's going. But you know I think she's a good cook. But I think the the best thing that she makes that I remember it was funny because I actually was just talking about this before I walked over here is banana bread. Yes, I love banana bread. I don't know what it was when I was growing up. Banana bread. She makes really good banana bread. That's what I remember when I was growing up. So. I say it was, meal, but. Yeah, no, it's not, and it's not what I expect you to say either. Say mom's name, of course. Aaron Pearsall. Okay. Um, you know, we talk about the season coming up and everything else, and, and, and look, don't get uncomfortable when I say this. You've, you've been unguardable in practice right now. I notice a difference in your game. Do you yourself notice something different about the way things are going so far this summer? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it all goes down to the minor details, the very, the very fine details of route running that, you know, some people uh, can't notice, you know, but it makes a huge difference when you're going against guys like Jason Marshall, who's also an elite, you know, DB, and you have to step your game up regardless. And, uh, and I also think that, you know, coming to the University of Florida and going against those guys every day has made me so much better. And then all that work in the off season leading up. But yes, I definitely see uh, differences and, you know, uh, changes in my route running. And I feel like that I'm a guy that improves drastically every year. So, you know, I'm, I'm just excited to get back out there and show people, you know, the, the work that I've put in. And, you know, I'm also coming with a lot of emotion and a chip on my shoulder, too, as well. So, you know, I'm going to let them feel me, but I'm going to let my player do the talking. <laughs> Love it. I'm going to share with you the two questions that I'm getting most from, from fans right now, and I'm going to pose them to you. Number one, everybody's asking me, what's Graham Mertz like? Tell me about the new quarterback that you're working with. Yeah. He's he's a he's a talented kid, and I think right away, as soon as he stepped foot in this building, he had that respect factor from everybody. Mm -hmm. I think that was first and foremost the most important thing because he is a quarterback. You know, he's the commander of our team, you know, the commander of our offense, and you know, if you got a guy that you respect like that, you know, you're all gonna rely onto him and trust on him. And, and you know, as a receiver especially, you know, you got to build that relationship and that trust. And I, and I texted him the other day actually. I told him, you know, he's been impressing me in practice, and I have full trust in him. So you know. 
he's he's impressed all of us so far. He's he's one of those guys that is always in the building. He's always studying his playbook. You know, he's always asking questions about, you know, what I'm thinking on this specific play and in this coverage. And you know, that goes a long way, especially hearing that from a quarterback to a receiver. So, but you know, I'm looking forward to stepping on that field with him. All right, great. And here's the second question: um, Are the Gators going to be better than last year, and why? Yes. No. All the guys are fully confident that we are. Um, obviously, last year didn't go the way we wanted it, but we have full confidence going into this next season that we are a different team. And, you know, that I think that's the standard that we set for ourselves. We, we, we understand that, you know, being at the University of Florida, it comes with a lot and there's a standard to live up to, but everybody's embracing that. And I think that's that's important. And, you know, I think that's a big thing that we've emphasized is embracing, you know, embracing the work, embracing all the adversity that's thrown at us. And I think that's, you know, pushed us to a next level. And you can notice it. Everybody that's come into practice so far notices the, the, the change in energy that we have on this team. And, you know, we've developed relationships and got personal with each other. And I think that's also going to take a big step for us. So, you know, we're all excited to get out there. But, you know, I have full trust in all the guys that we're going to take a big stride this year. Great to hear. All right, last thing. Let's have some fun with this. Um, if there was an award for best dressed at SEC Media Days, you might have <laughs> taken home the trophy. So what's the style here? What do we, yeah. you know? Tell me about what you like to have for your look, and um, can you afford it, and all that goes into making Slick Rick come across the way you want. Yeah, I mean, obviously I got to dream big, so, you know, my pocket's not big enough for how I want it to be yet. But, um, you know, for the SEC Media Day, I'm not going to lie, it was kind of a last-minute decision on what I was wearing, and I kind of just put stuff together, and it was mix and match, so, you know, I obviously had... I kind of already explained what I wore, but I'll just briefly go back yeah, over it. Yeah, anybody that doesn't know. So the coat that I wore actually, um, shout out Coach Napier. He get he gets um, I think it's Men's Warehouse, I believe, and they come in and they give us two suits for us every single year. So all the guys they get fitted, and so that's the suit. That's one of the uh, coats that I wore for that. And then the undershirt was mine, and it was a designer shirt, you know. And then obviously the shoes. Everybody was impressed with the shoes, and um, spiked yeah. studded shoes. Yes. yes. Yeah, they're definitely interesting looking and unique looking, but with the red bottoms on them. Yeah, yeah, the red bottoms. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's what they're known for. So yeah, that's that's where I'm going. Like I can't afford that, I'm, but I I like the fact that you had that going on. Yeah, yeah. Good thing I got a piggy bank. I got to save up. No. Um, but yeah, and then outside of SEC Media Day, I try to have like a like a urban kind of style look, but um, and you know, I just got to run with it, miss and match, you know. You're pulling it off. Yeah, yeah. You got to have versatility in everything you're doing. So I try to, you know, have different styles. I want to pull up all the styles. So, Dream NIL deal would be, and that's where I'm going with this. Ooh, okay. So I grant you your dream NIL deal. Let's not talk dollars. Let's talk who would you want to be representing and who would you want to tie your name, image, and likeness to? This is a, this is, this is a good one right here. That's a good one because there's so many good options out there. So many good companies. I feel like the correct answer is to say Gatorade. <laughs> I feel like that's the correct answer. Um, but obviously, you know, you got to dream big. You got to, you know, I'm chasing, I'm chasing Nike. I'm chasing, I'm chasing all of them big companies. You know, whatever LeBron got. You go back to LeBron. Whatever LeBron got, get happy. <laughs> we somehow circled back to the king. There you go. Uh, great visit as always. All the best as you get ready to start this season. Uh, and your final semester in college. That's got to feel good. Yeah, it definitely feels good. I appreciate you having me on.
Well, the new season begins with an episode of Gator Talk at the Keys, and yet again, another great live audience. Gators fans already in their orange and blue. All right, um, share with me your names around the table. Jennifer King. Glenn Gardner. Christy Fowler. Paul Miranda. Are we all ready for the football season? Absolutely. Yes. Think about a favorite Gator memory as we all kind of convene here for the start of a new season. Who's got one and who wants to go first? All right, Jennifer. Definitely the Tom Petty song at the end of the third quarter. The start of that. Were you there for the very first one? I was. So did you think it would become a thing? Um, I guess. I kind of did. Yeah, because it was pretty fantastic. All right. What about you? My favorite memories is working uh, the food booth with Keith Miller at the Big Mills Cheesesteak outside the stadium before and after the games and the crowds that come in when we win is amazing. Football tailgating cheesesteaks. You checked about all my boxes right there. <laughs> Anybody else want to share a great Gator memory real quick? Every game when they're playing the video on the big screen, the Gators swimming through the swamp, it just gives you chills. And then here come the Gators out of the tunnel. It is. It's one of the great traditions in college football, no doubt. Anything you got to add before we... Uh, Talk about this season? Absolutely. When they unveiled the retiring of the number 15 up in the, uh, what was it, the north end zone, that was awesome. Yep. Well, by the way, his plaque, Tim Tebow's plaque for his Hall of Fame honor was uh, installed this this week. So another, another mark of Tebow on the campus here in Gainesville. Um, here's to a great season, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Go People ask me all the time about, you know, what are the cool things about your job? And, and inevitably, I always get to near the top of the list that my office door is three doors down from another office where the nameplate on the outside says just simply HBC. So how cool is that? It's even cooler that the guy inside, of course, is the legend, the Heisman Trophy winner, the national champ, the Hall of Famer, Steve Spurrier. Coach, I got to ask you, head ball coach, when did that come around do you remember when either you started calling yourself that or you were being referred to as that it happened when I was actually coaching here at Florida I don't know the exact year uh, but anyway I used to use the term ball coach you know like that that person's a real ball coach uh, I remember I used to talk about coach Pat Summit the basketball coach at Tennessee is one of the best ball coaches in any sport yep. so I use that term ball coach all the time <clears throat> And a guy over in Jacksonville, uh, a guy named uh, Steve Vaughn, uh, said, well, if ball coaches, then you're the head ball coach then, because you're the head, head coach, head ball coach or something. And I said, well, like I said, I'm the head ball coach here, and there's a whole bunch of head ball coaches everywhere. So I think he started uh, calling me uh, head ball coach, and then it sort of stuck a little bit around here, and then uh, other people used it. And so I, I said, hey, you know, that's a pretty good – word to be called head ball coach and uh, I'm not the head ball coach anymore and I sort of introduced myself as the former head ball coach (laughs) at Florida or South Carolina or Duke something like that but uh, anyway it is uh, I think a good little uh, sort of nickname to have. What about other nicknames and look you were a, a, a wildly successful even back in your little league days there had to be other nicknames along the way coach. Oh some of my buddies used to call me Gunner because in basketball, I shot all the time. I mean, I was about the only guy that could shoot on the team, it seemed like. So they called me Gunner. Uh, then my middle name, Orr. Uh, my wife still calls me by my middle name, uh, Orr, which was my mother's last name before she became Marjorie Orr Spurrier. So uh, 
Yeah, a lot of my buddies just call me by my middle name. What was your first job? I've been doing a lot of thinking about this, about the history and all that. You remember your first ever job? Real job? Yeah. I tell, paid. You got paid to do what? I tell people all the time I've had to work three weeks in my life. Now, my first job might have been uh, keeping Little League, the box scores, and then I'd get on my bike and drive them down to the newspaper there in Johnson City. So I was about 13 then. I was in Babe Ruth League. We played in the afternoon, and they'd play sort at night. So I kept the books of Little League games, and it got a dollar a game. So I'd make $2 a night, and I had to drive it all the way down to the newspaper, the Press Chronicle, and then drive back, you know, about 10 o'clock at night or something like that. But uh, that would do uh, probably three or four nights a week. So that's probably not, that's not really a job. That's just, you know, watching the game and helping out. But uh, before my senior year in high school, uh, a tomato produce place there in Johnson City called Hicks uh, Produce, uh, he would hire some of the high school guys. And, of course, my dad said, you need to work this summer. So I went down there and got a job. And uh, when the tomato uh, come in, they come in on big semi-trucks, and they go through these conveyor belts, and if you and then you box them up six high, so you fill them up, close up the bin, start stacking them, yeah. stack them six high, another guy comes and carries them off, so you sort of separate them by size, and uh, and when you're not doing that, you're up in the attic making boxes, and those boxes, you cut your fingers a little bit, and that, that, that. So after three weeks, one day, the boss man came in, and he says, Steve, I, I got to lay you off. And I got sort of a smile, and he said, the tomato season's over, so we don't, we don't have a job for you. I said, yes, sir, thank you. <laughs> and uh, so I worked three weeks like that, and uh, that was that was, uh, that was was real work there. I, and I knew that I hopefully wouldn't have to do that for a long time after that, that's for sure. No, Not many guys get to say that I only worked three weeks in my life. So there, there it was at that young age. But look, all joking aside, you're still working today. You're an ambassador here at the University of Florida. Well, it's not really work what I do. And in coaching, I didn't call it work because you love doing it. So if you love what you're doing, you can't consider it work. But, uh, yeah, back in uh, 2016, Jeremy Foley, former AD, called me up and uh, said, Steve, we're going to put your name on the stadium uh, or on the field, Steve Spurrier Field, I guess is what it was. And uh, we're going to give you a little job called Ambassador and let you have an office up here in the stadium, which is where we are now. And, uh, you know, you got somewhere to go anytime you want to and, you know, help out and do a few appearances for the Gators and Gator Boosters and all those kind of things. I said, that sounds good, like a good deal to me. Uh, where did I sign up? Uh, so I've been doing this since 2016. And uh, I've always read uh, after your work days or playing days or whatever over you still need to have somewhere to go every day if you want to leave the house and go somewhere you need to have an office or a, a place where you meet some guys or whatever and uh, you got to have something to do so I stay busy enough and uh, both my sons are in coaching and uh, both my daughters uh, got kids five of them so we we keep up with them uh, pretty much and uh, go Crescent Beach uh, occasionally so uh yeah, life's pretty good. We just need to get Gators to start winning a little bit yeah, more. That's yeah. what we need right now. What is it, uh, I got to ask you this. What is it like? Okay, you said you're, we're in your office here at the stadium. By the way, inside the stadium, as you mentioned, is Steve Spurrier Field. And then, you know, when you're walking into work, you walk by a statue 
of you. What, what, is that weird? Do you look at it? Do you think about that? Do you not even? What's? What, I, I can't imagine what it would be like going to work and seeing, oh, there's my statue, and then I go into my office. Well, I'll tell you, I actually got such a good job. I park right in front down here. of the. Uh, they, there's room for about oh, 15 or 20 cars, and fortunately I got a pass to get in right next to the stadium here. But, yeah, I, I drive by there occasionally, and uh, Tebow, Warfel, and me, uh, Tebow always says, Coach, you got the best statue because you're upright, throwing, and everything. I said, I wish I threw like that. I'm probably a little bit more stretched out than uh, that statue. But it, the, the sculpture guy that did that one really did a good job. And, and the other two are very good also. Mm -hmm. When did you know you were famous? Oh, probably coming out of high school, and I had a lot of offers. Uh, and, and back in our day, Sean, you could visit as many times as you want to. There wasn't like four or five visits. And uh, so uh, I, I enjoyed visiting. I'd usually bring, uh, if I was driving like to Tennessee or to Duke or North Carolina, I'd take a buddy and say, hey, is it all right if a buddy of mine uh, rides over with me? And they'd say, sure, come on, bring uh, you know, a high school teammate. So uh, I got a chance to go watch Duke, North Carolina basketball. Got a chance to go to Kentucky, watch the Wildcats play basketball. Uh, now, in high school, basketball was just as big to me as football, maybe bigger, basketball and football, because we uh, – baseball, I mean, because we had more success in baseball, winning a couple of state championships. And basketball, we'd, we'd lose the game right before the state tournament uh, my last couple of years. But uh, so I visited, oh, about 15 or 16 schools. And uh, I sort of enjoyed seeing all the different places and watching the games and, and all that. So what have you learned about being famous? What would you tell somebody about being in the limelight all that time? Try not to, try not to look at yourself as famous. Just look at yourself as pretty fortunate. And, uh, you know, try to be nice to everybody uh, as, as you can. Uh, sometimes those autograph guys can bug you a little too much, but uh, – I, I can usually handle it uh, decently, I think. Strangest thing you've ever signed, Coach? Oh, probably uh, somebody's forehead or something every now and then. Somebody would say, I'll sign it right up here. Uh, but that was, that was way back. Uh, but not, not, not too many strange things, really. Steve Spurrier is our guest. Coach, um, you, you, you detailed your first job, you know, packing produce, the tomatoes, all that. There are times where I get to pop in here, we'll get to talking about something, and then you'll say, well, Sean, there was this play. And you'll start drawing the play up right here on your desk, and then you'll go, well, wait a minute, that play was set up by the play that we ran before that. And I'm starting to think, Coach Spurrier has a photographic memory. Is that the case? Is that what yeah, you've been well, able to use? I can remember a lot, I guess, compared to maybe some coaches. But when you're over, the, over there calling the play and, and you know that you call the play and you watch how it develops and this, that, and the other, uh, then it's probably easier uh, to remember uh, than most head coaches that don't call plays and are just, you know, watching game after game after game. So uh, if you're the play caller, you're actively involved, uh, actively involved in the game. So maybe that's why I can and remember them. And then, of course, uh, usually the ones you remember the most are the ones that led to a big victory or led to a defeat, unfortunately. <laughs> and there's a bunch of calls uh, all of us that have coached a long time would love to have back. But uh, it is what it is now. And uh, I, I sort of count my blessings for uh, how fortunate I have been to coach 31 years 
and, and never been fired. So I, that was one of my goals in coaching. I had to quit a couple of times, <laughs> like the Washington Redskins. I had to quit a couple of times. But uh, anyway, I avoided getting fired. Yeah. It, coach is being modest here. Usually when he tells me about these plays, what I, he'll tell me what the weather was that day. It's, it's amazing. He has that kind of a recall. You know, speaking of Washington, by the way, What's your thoughts on how things have changed up there? I mean, the the, the nickname's different now. The, the owner's gone. You know, all that's changed in, in Washington. And I know there's got to be things that you're frustrated about about that time, but does that place still have some affinity for you? Oh, not really. I made a mistake. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes in life, if you take a job strictly because they offered you the most money, uh, it usually doesn't work out. So that's what I did. I took the wrong team, the wrong offer. Uh, but after couple of years I, I realized I'd made a bad mistake and time to go somewhere where you had fun coaching again and uh, fortunately South Carolina Mike McGee the uh, AD there offered me the job and had a chance to go there for 10 years but uh, anyway uh, it was interesting I was reading an article about Ron Rivera the coach there now and the article said well now there's no excuses. They got new ownership. Everybody's happy. The attitude's good. The whole thing's clean. Now he needs to win more games than he loses. That's what they were trying to say. Uh-huh. And he sort of agreed. Yeah, we, we have there's no excuses whatsoever. And he, he feels like they got a good team there now. So I know the fans up there, they're very happy uh, that it's a clean slate now. And they're, they're ready to try to get back to, to where Joe Gibbs had him back there in the what, late 80s, early 90s and so forth. Yeah. Look, you've coached in the NFL. There's the USFL days. You, you had a run before COVID with the with the newer, not, not minor leagues, but alternate leagues, if you will. And then, of course, Florida, Duke, South Carolina. Is football football coach at all these levels, or is there something that's distinctly different that you've learned? Yeah, I think it's pretty much uh, the same. Uh, the only spot that we were losers was the Washington. And I tell people, well, I was not in charge. That's the only place I was not in charge of the team. Uh, the owner wanted to be in charge and, you know, what have you. But anyway, uh, I really enjoyed the last year with the Orlando Apollos. Uh, 2019, the league didn't make it. Uh, but we were 7-1, uh, and one, and uh, we had two more games when the league folded up. And the next couple of teams uh, were like five and three. So we were two games clear in first place. And uh, FanDuel, the, the online betting site, declared us the champion. So obviously we made ourselves a trophy and a ring, and, uh, and we call ourselves the champs of the AAF. And uh, what well, was interesting, Lee Corso's down there in Orlando, watched this play, kept up with us a little bit. And later he said, Steve, you did your best coaching job with this team. Mm-hmm. I said, you got to be kidding. He said, no, you guys had to live in Jacksonville because uh, something with the state insurance. We couldn't get insurance in the state of Florida. So we had to drive to Kingsland, Georgia, and practice on Georgia soil, then come back to Jacksonville. We had to do that for a month. And, you know, interestingly, we won all four games that month. Yeah. And uh, three of them were on the road. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, we were a good road team because we lived on the road. Uh, but it's actually, it was sort of fun up there, you know, all, all the guys uh, – we got on the bus, went about 40 miles up the road and practiced and come back and had some meetings and uh, so forth. But uh, we, our team played well, and uh, we played well in the close games. And uh, I thought probably uh, uh, as a play caller, I, I, I called better plays at the end of a lot of those games than uh, maybe I had in the past. Are you a music guy? And and the, here's, here's why I'm asking. I see so many of 
the young players now, they've got the headphones on, music being played at practice. Uh, it's used to get guys ready before they go out on the field to play. So, A, are you a music guy, and did you use music – in, in, in your career? I think we had uh, music during warm-ups, stretch, team stretch, and so forth. But, no, I wanted I wanted guys to be able to hear the coaches. You know, sometimes you go to these practice fields and uh, the music's blaring so loud. Uh, hey, come here, come here. Yeah, you know, the guys can't hear you. So uh, we, we'd, we'd play it during uh, during the stretch period before. But that, that was, I think that was about it. Okay. Your daughter Amy's in here. What, what, Amy, what did you say about dancing? I hope you dance. You, oh, I hope you dance. What, Leanne Womack. That, that was a song that uh, came in in 2000. Uh, I'll tell you what was in it. We'd just gotten beat pretty bad at Mississippi State. They ran the ball for right at 400 yards against us. And uh, we came back, and uh, I think that Sunday night, uh, CMA Awards, Country Music Awards were on, and Leanne Womack got Song of the Year, and it was I Hope You Dance. And when, when you get a chance to sit it out or dance, I hope you dance. So after uh, uh, Monday's uh, practice, I, all the guys were up there, and I said, now we just got clobbered. We got clobbered 49 to, I think we scored a couple at the end, to 35 or something. And uh, I said, there was a song, Country Music, last night called I Hope You Dance. And you know what? That, that's our team right now. You guys are pretty good in practice. But when the ball game comes, that's the dance. You're sitting around watching. You're not, you're not dancing, man. We're not in the ball game dancing. We said we're better than what we play. And uh, started getting on them a little bit. And ironically, Nick Saban brought his LSU guys in to the swamp the next week, that week. So uh, our guys decided they were going to dance. We are going to come to the ballpark and dance. And uh, – we beat them 41-7, to won all the rest of the SEC games, and actually won the SEC that year. And that team, uh, I don't know if uh, probably of all the teams that won a championship, they weren't probably as, quite as talented. Uh, but they, they turned it around and, and, uh, and played. Rex Grossman played extremely well. So Gerard Warren, when we had one of our reunions a while back, he had it on his phone. I hope you dance. And he turned it on for the whole team there. He said, Coach, that's our song. I said, I guess it is then, because you guys started dancing in the middle of the season. And uh, that was uh, certainly a fun year. And uh, we give that song a lot of credit for our success. Steve, if, if you'd have given me a thousand guesses about an, a musical artist that has played a role in Florida football history. I would not have listed Leanne yeah, Womack. I, I, come on, does, yeah. does Leanne Womack know about this? You know, I think somebody may have told her, I'm not sure. Uh, I have not uh, personally seen her, I think, uh, since that. But, uh, you know, it was uh, written up a little bit, man, 2000, gosh, what was that, 23 years ago? So that was a while back. Uh, but it, it's always, Sean, interesting to me, because, uh, I see how teams can all of a sudden turn things around. Uh, my son, Scotty, coaches with Bobby Stoops in the XFL, and they were sitting there at four and six at the end of the season. And somehow or another, they finished second in their division with a four-six record. So they got into the two-game two championship. And, well, they, they made some changes. They did a little something here, there, and the other. And uh, they beat Houston in the first round. Houston had beaten them twice during the season. And, and then they played uh, 
in the championship. They played the Washington team. They came in like nine and one and had won their first game, and they beat those guys. And so I said, Stoopsie, you guys are the first team in history that won a championship with a 500 record. But that's what they did. They were 500 when it was all said and done, and they were the champions of the XFL. So, you know, it's never over till it's over. And uh, you can get off to bad starts and be pretty lousy early, but uh, a lot of times if you hang in there and make a few changes, get things turned around, you, you can have a big year. Well said. It prompts me to ask you this question. Um, what would 2023 Steve Spurrier say to 1990s Steve Spurrier? 90s. Oh, I would have a little different kind of ball plays. Uh, there were some things uh, that I've learned since the 90s, uh, like that bunch formation and some shifts and this, that, and the other. Uh, but other than that, uh, the style of coaching and trying to get the guys together, uh, develop some leadership with the older guys, which is pretty much what we always had here. And, uh, you know, to be successful on all the teams that are successful, the Alabamas and the Ohio States, uh, your younger guys, you know, listen to the older guys. And then when they become the older guys, you know, you keep the same process going. And uh, we were fortunate to do that here. And we were fortunate the first team I ever coached here in 1990 was uh, one of the best teams uh, of all. It really were. Those guys could play. And uh, had a lot of seniors on that first team. Uh, and it was sort of interesting. Uh, the three years prior, uh, Emmett Smith was our tailback here with Galen Hall. And we went 0-6 against Auburn and Georgia. 0-6. Never beat them. Three years. And uh, – I had some guys say, we can't play Auburn and Georgia back-to-back. And they said, we couldn't play Georgia and Jacksonville. They got a curse on us over there since they had won 15 out of 20 last games. And I said, well, let's just wait. Let's uh, let's see if we can't uh, make some progress winning in Jacksonville and uh, trying to beat Auburn and Georgia back-to-back. I said, we're not the only team in America that plays two good teams back-to-back. So anyway, the first year we beat Auburn and Georgia after being 0-6, we beat them by a combined score of 87 to 14. Auburn and Georgia, 38 to 7 and 48 to 7. Yeah. And so we never heard again about we can't play Auburn and Georgia back to back. <laughs> and then, of course, we beat the Bulldogs uh, seven in a row, too. So uh, we, we sort of like the game in Jacksonville now. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out moving forward. Yeah. Coach, last thing, let me ask you this. Um, you loom, that's probably not the greatest word, but you do. You're, you're, present, you're omnipresent here at Florida. You know, Your success as a player, a coach, and now leading us in a different way. Um, there are 49 new Gator football players that will take the field for the first time for Florida this year. I, I know that, you know, with regard to whether it's Billy Napier or, or Dan or anybody else that's, you know, been here since – uh, that you kind of let them do their thing, and you're here for them if needed. If you had the opportunity to go speak to those those new Gators, what would be your message to them? What would you want to tell them about this place and, and wearing see, orange and blue? Uh, yeah, Jim McElwain and uh, Dan Mullen uh, had me talk to the team okay. yeah, before the season, just one time before the season. And I just uh, basically told them, I said, here's how we did it when we were here. And I talked about, you know, we, we set goals and uh, because we thought we had a team that could hit those goals. And most years we hit most of them, didn't hit all of them. Even the year we won the national championship, that team wanted to go undefeated. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't hit that one. They said, win them all. 
And uh, so sometimes uh, in life, it's best to set your goals high. Even if you don't hit them, you'll come closer to hitting them. Yeah. So instead of saying, hey, I hope we have a winning season and go to a bowl game, that's about as low as you can get on goals. So those, those uh, should not be your goals there. But uh, anyway, so I, I, I would just tell the guys, here's how we did it. And we did it because of leadership from the older guys. Uh, we had outstanding coaches, got the players ready every game. You know, you can't get too high, too low. And uh, uh, that old 24-hour celebration or uh, sorrow, that's all it, you have time for is one day, and then you start preparing for your next opponent. So that, that's basically what I would say to them. And uh, I usually always try to brag on the coaches they have now because you got to believe in your coaches. And uh, the coaches got to believe in the players. And, you know, if all that happens, uh, you can have big, big years. Mm -hmm. I lied. I got one more thing. Um, you just got back from an Alaskan cruise mm -hmm. over the summer here. Um, if I could grant you, I'm, I'm the genie now, I can grant you one more wish. Uh, what's the next thing or the one thing that you and your wife, Jerry, you'd like to do together here in coming days, years? Oh, we'll uh, travel a bit, uh, but we go travel, see our grandkids and uh, our uh, our children uh, and so forth. In fact, I got another granddaughter here at Florida this year, Lauren Moody, and had one that just graduated, Emmeline Spurrier. So, uh, and grandson Jake Moody's graduated. I don't think we've had any more graduates here, but uh, had two to graduate from Duke, uh, two grandsons. Davis King got his degree in uh, business uh, in one of those online classes. Yeah, so uh, we got uh, oh, about four grandkids that have Florida degrees now. So anyway, uh, we, we keep up with them. And uh, Crescent Beach is just right down the road. Been going there since I was in college in the 60s. So uh, just keep moving, keep moving, and, uh, you know, try to keep up. Steve Jr. is out at Tulsa as the offensive coordinator. Uh, now, if he ever gets to be a head coach, which I still think he's got great opportunity now that he's, he's got a title out there, and if they do well, uh, maybe he can get his foot in somewhere and get a chance. Uh, if that would happen, I'd probably be a little bit more involved as just hanging around, looking over the offense, the defense, and everything. But uh, now, the head coach, you got he's got to be the guy in charge no matter – uh, where it is, he's got to be the guy that calls all the shots to be successful. So I, I don't need to be a guy that's, you know, trying to inter interfere or give too many suggestions. If that happens, and we want that to happen, would he be HBC Junior or HBC no, the second? No, he'd be his own guy. He'd be his own guy and uh, do his own thing and, and go from there. Coach, congratulations on all that we just talked about. Um, this was a, a pleasure and an honor. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you, Sean. I, I don't know if they're going to give you this much time. You must have a lot of time in the pregame, right? When it comes to you, I can do anything I want. All right. Good talking to you, my man. So I'm standing outside of Ben Hill Griffin Stadium right by the Bullgator statue. As a matter of fact, it is the first week of classes for the new fall semester. Excuse me, your name, please. Lainey Gardner. Lainey, hi. Where are you from? I'm from Kansas. Kansas City area west. Where would it be? Um, I'm kind of by Kansas City. It's uh, around there. It's called Olathe. Okay. Um, what year are you as we start the new semester? 
I am a freshman this year. Holy smokes, brand new, brand new. How's the first week of classes going? It's a little intense. Uh, it's kind of hard to start on a Wednesday, but I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm excited. Okay, hardest class will be what for you in your first semester in college? Um, I think probably chemistry, just because it's online and trying to figure out all that online is a little bit more difficult for me. Okay, um, so have you ever been to a Florida Gators football game? I have not. Are you excited about football? I am very excited. I'm a huge Chiefs fan where I come from, so super excited for Gator football. Oh, so you're like a Mitch Holtis guy then, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah. Touchdown, <laughs> Kansas City, that guy? Yes. Yes, uh -huh. okay. So um, what do you think your first game day will be like? Do you have a plan yet for what's coming when we're back home in the swamp? Um, you know, I live right by the swamp, so I'm hoping, you know, it's easy to get in, easy access, but I know it's probably going to be crazy. I'm, I'm ready to meet a bunch of people and experience the, my first tailgate, so I'm excited. That's awesome. By the way, how's the food been here in your first week away from home? You know, it's, it's not a home-cooked meal, but it's, it's not that bad. I'm not a picky eater, so it's, it's pretty good for what I've what I'm used to. Alright, did they teach you the gator chomp? You got that down yet? Yes, right over left always. Right over left. You got it, girl. Laney, thanks. Go Gators. Go Gators. Thank you. So there's death, taxes, and Gators volleyball being in a preseason top 15. I, that, that seems to be the three constants over the last three decades. And with that, Murray Wise is with us as Gators Volleyball gets set to start the new season. Coach, of course, you win the SEC championship last year. I'm eager to hear how you felt a year ago at this time and how you feel right now on the brink of a new campaign. Well, a year ago, um, we only had two new players come into the roster uh, that we knew we're going to see significant playing time. And so we had a little bit more familiarity with um, that group as opposed to this year where we have some key returning players, but we've got some young freshmen um, that are just going to be special before their their time uh, ends here. And also uh, Anna Dixon, the, the fifth-year uh, senior grad transfer. So uh, some youth. Some age and in combination, I think our team has a chance to to be really good. I just know it's going to take some time to get all the pieces together. How much time do you get? I, I looked at the non-conference schedule, Coach. I, I come on, this is some kind of a slate to get you ready. Um, not for the faint of heart. Um, yeah, who made that idea? It, uh, when when Tampa Sports Commission reached out to us that an opportunity to host this tournament because Tampa hosts the NCAA championships in December, they wanted to bring in four teams um, or three teams in addition to the University of South Florida. I couldn't say no. Normally we would like host this weekend. So we're going down to Tampa and we're going to open with Penn State. Penn State was one of those teams that benefited greatly from the portal and they have uh, two All-Americans coming in. And so their team got older and really, really good really fast. Wow. Newcomers, there'll be some new faces uh, that fans will have to get used to pretty quick. Coach, share with the, the fans who and what they should know about them. Well, as I mentioned earlier, Anna Dixon. Uh, she's a player that we played against the past few years at the University of Missouri and one of the best pin blockers that uh, we, we play against. I can still remember her on a solo block uh, last year when we played Missouri. That was pretty eye-popping. But Anna is one of, I, I, 
I'm, I've been kept going back in history. Have I ever coached, and how many times have I coached a player who could play any three, any one of the three positions, left, middle, or right? And I came up with two others. So in all these years, three, three total that could play at this level, and that's what Anna Dixon can do. She's gonna, she may see time in all three positions. You just don't see that woman's volleyball. So that's Anna. Uh, the other grad transfer senior is Kennedy Muff. She comes from Flagler. How, what a wonderful story! A D two player who's come in and has been so great running the scout. She'll run the scout team, but she's made our gym better and certainly been a great mentor for Alexis Stuckey as Alexis been for her. So those are our, our two older players or the grannies as they're called on this team. That's what they're called by the players, not by me. So, and then our, our four freshmen we have in, in two players that graduated early and anybody who saw us play in the spring saw Kennedy Martin. Kennedy is a six, seven player who just, she can hit over people and you can't coach size as you know, and she's got length and physicality to her, and she's going to be a really, really good player in college. And then Kira Hudson, who was graduated early but wasn't cleared to play because she had a, a serious shoulder injury in high school, but she is rehab back and and is you know she just got cleared a couple weeks ago, and um, she is uh, if you define ask about who's a smooth player. That's Kara watching her. She'll, she's going to have she's going to be that quiet player who's going to have eye popping stats in time. So that's that is Kara Hudson and then Maddie Gravely. Love telling her story because I coached her mom. Julie Stanhope was a middle blocker for us in the mid '90s, and Julie met her husband Russ Gravely here. Russ was a, a walk on on the football team, and I first met Maddie when she was like 10 years old. And so she had the DNA, but lucky for us, she could have gone the very top in both indoor and beach volleyball. She chose indoor. And so that's Maddie. And then the last one is Gabby Cornier, who hasn't played yet. Um, she too is nursing a, a high school injury and coming back. So I love our freshman class. Those are our new players. Okay, I, I'm still getting to know you in a lot of ways, but what is it about you and legacies? I mean, it's, it's either everyone in the family or the the daughter of a former player I, I think it speaks to a lot of what someone's experience has been with you um is is that simply it I, or do you just seem to have a knack for hitting it right i think truthfully it's how, how blessed i've been to be at the same school this long you look around the country look at any sport you just no no one has been more fortunate than I have to have been hired here when I was hired and then be able to stay. You just don't get to do that. And you stay here long enough. Maybe you're around long enough for the, for the children. Does it still excite you the start of a season? I mean, we talk about the grannies thing. I'm going to date myself and you and everybody else, but the bottom line is you've been here a long time now and, and the game can reward you and it can grind at you. Do, do you still at this juncture have the same excitement that you did say 15 years ago, 10 years ago. This is my favorite time of the year. We got to go into preseason, and and even if you're just changing one player with a by graduation, every team is its new story, and learning the personalities of the team. Uh, you know, you're undefeated in preseason, and, and there's so much optimism. But when you have a talented group that are, they were 
all here this summer putting in time when we're not allowed to coach them in the summer. Uh, football and basketball have that ability to we, – we just don't have that rule yet by the NCAA. So those players are working out on their own. And the investment they made in their own game into this program, yeah, that excites me a lot. The best part of this job, and it remains true, is watching the growth of both players as who they are on the court, but also who they are as people off the court and witnessing that. You know, everyone grows in college. Mm -hmm. I get to witness it firsthand to see a glimpse into the women that they will become post-college. You mentioned team personality, a team's story. You're just coming out of two-a-days and camp ramping up to the start of the season. Is it too early for me to ask you what the personality of this team is or what it can or will be, or do you still need more time? I think there, the fans that were at the Stetson scrimmage can see there's a joyfulness of this group. We have six seniors, but th- this senior class is – I have not – I'm just amazed that even on those early morning practices, they come in with such energy and positivity. A lot of times you get those seniors where they've kind of been through the grind and they're pacing themselves, not this group. This group is coming by the office on days off, and and they're they're fun to just be around, and I think that will be this team. We've got a heck of a, uh, as you mentioned, uh, non-conference schedule. I don't know who the crazy person who put that together, but um, – yeah, ask me at the end of it. But I know this, no matter what the results are, we will be a better team from each one of those matches and it will prepare us for the SEC. Okay. Last thing before we go, uh, of course, there's the returners. And I, and I think of Ellie and I think of Alexis and all that. G- give me, if you don't mind, a sign of growth from those players in your program that will be evident on the court this season. You know, I, I know I'm biased, but I think Ellie McKissick is the best bro libero in the um, in the SEC and I think this year I think other people are going to see it her touch on the ball what she does for us both defensively but on serve receive and all the small balls and serving she she's playing like a senior for sure and then so Sophia Victoria a year ago she had a wrist injury that actually limited and it was in her right arm that limited her offense. You wouldn't know it by the blur that is her arm. But she's she did the surgery in January. She's fully healthy. And then Alexis Stuckey. So I'm thinking about the three returning starters. Alexis Stuckey, um, you know, what a talent. Um, an All-American freshman setter. You know what she's doing now is she's that quarterback who not only can deliver a ball on a dime, but is uber deceptive. And so she's going to be, I, I believe, she's going to be that setter that club, high school, and college coaches around the country are going to have their setters watch to say, this is how you can can set the game because she's different than any other setter in the country. I love it. So we talk about her and her knack for being deceptive. You talked earlier about a smooth, silky player. But yet when I watch the Gators play, it's loud. There's a violence to that side of the net. And so, look, if we're going to mix those things up, then albeit success. Coach, I'll let you guys have a great start, and then I'll check back in with you guys soon. Good luck. Travel safe here coming up. Thanks very much. Appreciate the time talking Gator Volleyball. All right, so that'll do it for this edition of Gator Tales with Sean Kelly. Big thanks, as always, to UF Health and Pet Paradise. We're off to Utah to start the football season. Who knows who I'll speak to. I'm going to surely share it with you when I get back. Until next time, go Gators!